1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noon's is an absolute podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons.
2: Hello, happy. Uh, the NBA is the craziest league ever. Week, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm looking forward to this free agency period and the uh, ensuing trades that inevitably happen as a kind of right-sizing um, of what's been going on these uh, these past couple years. I feel like. Everyone spent a lot of time just hoping that like, the market would correct what was happening um, and the consolidation of power in Cleveland and Golden State. And I feel like now teams with, with money, and there are a lot of them, um, are finally doing something about it. And that's, uh, that's encouraging to me.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know that we're enough to see a team get to a place where they're going to truly compete with Golden State. Obviously, Houston is making their moves with picking up Chris Paul today, uh, which was... I, I mean, I know that that was a team that was floated as a possibility for him, but I don't think it was in the way that it, it went down with that trade. The well, the opt-in and trade today, um, and I don't. I still don't know, you know, how they end up competing because Golden State is just such a well put together, um, cohesive unit. Uh, but it is it is encouraging to see teams try because I, I would rather not see like the rest of the league punt on the next three or four seasons just to. Try to set themselves up for 2020 or whenever they project that Golden State might not be the same juggernaut that they are now. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited just to see what what teams do because like it does seem like there's a a frenzied approach to uh, the pre-free agency and and you know starting on the, the first free agency period coming up here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a rarity you see these types of uh, you know blockbusters happen. Um, As as frequently as they've happened now, before free agency even starts, uh, for those who don't watch the NBA, which is based on the comments, a lot of you, um, NBA free agency starts on July 1st. Um, However, all of the contracts that are tendered there aren't actually solidified on the books until the 10th. So there is, for the most part, you you rarely see players or teams go back on what they agree upon. Uh, It happened a couple of years ago with DeAndre Jordan. Uh, signing in principle with the uh, Mavericks and then changing his tune before the uh, July 10th uh, deadline. Um, This year we saw, obviously, uh, Chris Paul decided to opt into his uh, 2017-18 deal with um, the Los Angeles Clippers and then was subsequently traded uh, by his request to the Houston Rockets, uh, which now makes the Houston Rockets a very viable contender in the West. Uh, They already were probably a top four or five team, Um, as it was, and I don't really think they lost anything that uh, harms them there. It was actually a really smart move for them. Clippers got probably about as good as they were going to get back, I I think, in that deal. A first plus three serviceable rotation guys, um, including Sam Decker, who probably hasn't reached his height, and uh, Patrick Beverly, who is somebody who... um, serviceable sixth man and i think helps the clippers kind of rebuild when they're going to lose at least chris paul and and jj reddick if not blake griffin as well this year so uh so good on them
2: yeah i'm interested to see what their approach turns into because there seem to be competing trains of thought here whether they should build around blake griffin as as almost like a a point forward where we've seen him as more of a, a ball handler um running the offense to I think he's put up pretty good numbers with that, but the team has struggled when Chris Paul isn't on the floor in recent years. Or if Griffin's done a dope pursuit for Super Agency himself, I know he's been connected to teams like Miami, which every team's, you know, everyone's connected to do because Miami uh, just has that draw. Um, Boston, obviously his hometown, Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, the Flippers go for the, the full, like, from bare bones rebuild, or if they try to just re uh, configure the roster around Griffin and, and Jordan um it, that's going to be pretty compelling considering they've been you know this pseudo contender for a while now under uh Doc Rivers and even before and and they've fallen short so many times and a lot of that's been you know injury driven they I don't think they've had a healthy team going into the playoffs um or in maybe the last s-
1: when for some the- reason something happens every single year
2: yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I don't know how much damage they would be doing uh, over the last couple of years, but um, they really didn't have uh, like their full complement of, of players going in uh, in the playoffs in any of these runs. So um, I, I'm not surprised that they're moving on from Chris Paul and, and kind of going in a different direction. I'm just interested to see if the direction is is with Blake Griffin as a centerpiece or if it's just start from scratch, try to tank for a year or two, go full on. Uh, maybe not your style rebuild, but, like, honestly, like, Lakers-style rebuild? Um, and also, what is L.A. going to look like if both of its teams have bottomed out in, in you know, I don't think the Lakers are going to be great this fall. Um, what, will the, what will the NBA in Los Angeles look like if both those teams are on the outside looking in in the West?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that Blake's gone after, after this move. Um, and I think that you know somebody's going to offer JJ Redick more money than than the Clippers are probably willing to pay um, for a guy who you know Redick kind of compromised his earnings for a while, and I think he's now going to try to cash in with a deal that's probably going to be in the twelve to fifteen million a year range. Um, I'd say probably three or four years in that, and I, I just don't think the Clippers are going to pay that even with Paul off the books now. Um, I think Beverly's a nice piece to add, but not one that necessarily entices free agents because like I, I think Blake's gone. Um, I think, you know, this has DeAndre Jordan kind of wondering what the hell he signed up for. But he is somebody who could help them um entice free agent. I think the Clippers become a prime target for a guy like Dion Waiters, um, given how much um they're gonna lose in LA. But, you know, I, I think Waiters could go to the Clippers or the Lakers really. Um maybe not the ideal situation for him, but uh the Clippers aren't the the, the the brand they were a few years ago. No, they're still not the Lakers, but um, they obviously have a little more, um, you know, recent success to bank on. I think Jordan still helps them, uh, you know, lure a good name or two. Um, I don't think that they're necessarily the, the playoff team they've been, but um, I could definitely see the Clippers still hanging around that 40 to 45-ish win range. Um given what's out there and what they would be able to uh, to go after with, with Reddick, Paul, and uh, and Griffin's contracts all off the books.
2: Yeah, uh, you bring up Dion, which I, I know you wrote about today on the site. Um, I'm super interested to see what he winds up doing, uh, just because obviously last year uh, looked like, at the time, like a pretty disastrous offseason for Dion. He bet on himself and, uh, I guess, at the time, it looked like he lost pretty miserably, signing a one-year, three-million-dollar deal with the Heat. Of course, he still signed that deal with the Heat, and the Heat are uh, some kind of alchemists when it comes to bringing in talent and shaping them and molding them into better players than they were before. Uh, and Dion had a career year; he he almost was like, honestly, he almost was the the second best player on a team that went from just totally in the tank to. Making the, pl- I think they missed the playoffs by what, deem. um, and they were
1: like play a game, and they didn't have him for like the last two weeks of the season.
2: Right, and they probably would have made the playoffs if he was healthy. He was a, I think you probably put Hassan Whiteside ahead of him, but you can make the argument he was the team's best player as they went from like the almost the very bottom of the Eastern Conference to one team out of the playoffs. Um, he was made some huge shots. Uh, I believe he had a, a buzzer beater against the Warriors. Right, he yeah. he beat the Warriors with a team winner. Which is hilarious, uh, and it wasn't like when the—I mean, the Warriors didn't really slump at any point last year. But it was—I think it was in the Warriors when Durant was playing, and they were starting to get hot before Durant got hurt. Um, Durant, his, his like one of his weird like best NBA friends, which is wonderful. Um, I think we—I'm all for the summer of Dion. He already wrote his amazing, maybe probably the best thing that's ever been produced in the Players Tribune. Um, Oh, I would 100% agree there. We're a little biased, but (laughs) I don't think our bias is really impacting that opinion. That piece in the Players' Tribune is so good, and we talked about it at length when it came out, out, but you like, I kind of wanted to read it again because I saw you linked it in here. Um, I kind of hope he stays with the heat just because that is such a good spot for him. Like, it just seems like everything clicked while he was there. Um, That being said, I think we all know Dion pretty well, and Uh, he's going to, I think the possibility of being, uh, drawn to a franchise where he thinks he can be, uh, you know, a number one or number two option, um, might be too strong, uh, because he will obviously be going after guys like Gordon Hayward and and Blake Griffin, like we mentioned, uh, this off season. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if he ends up either in in Philly. I don't know that Philly would jump for him, but he is a hometown guy. and I think
1: think he he would number one or number two guy there though.
2: No, but I think he would think he was, which is probably all that matters. <laughs> um, I, I also don't know that they want Dion on the team with like Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz as primary ball handlers. I think Dion kind of needs the ball in his hands a little bit. Um, he's not like a super complimentary player. Uh, the Nets you put in here, uh, I would like that on like a personal level. I don't know how much of, on a basketball level I would like it. Um, the Nets do have just so much tap room and there's a chance that they can just dodfather offer someone like that just because there's like, there's no, I mean, they have to hit the tap floor. Like that's the situation they're in. So last year you had them offering contracts to players that people hadn't even heard of. Um, and just messing with teams cap situations. Uh, I think it was, what's it, the dude in the heat, Tyler Johnson. Oh
1: yeah.
2: That like no one had heard of, but had like some decent games for the heat last like two seasons ago. And then that's offered him like a, a really big contract and he ended up matching it kind of surprisingly. Um, you put the two L.A. teams in here. Uh, I would like to see him stay with the Heat. I just think he found success there, and it's not like he has this giant, uh, you know, he doesn't have, this, like, all this data back- backing him. He had some success in Oklahoma City, and then he had a lot in Miami. Like, stick it out in Miami. Even if you don't sign, like, a, a five-year deal, like, sign, like, two or three. See if you can, like, build on this and become a reliable NBA player before you go out and, and hunt for, like, some monster deal. And also, Deion's still young. He's only, what, 26? Like, I think he can put off his, like, big, big contract and still probably get some, a decent amount of money from the Heat since they do seem to like him there. Um, but, you know, bet on yourself once again. But Obviously, you're going to be making more than $3 million next year no matter where you go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he'd be willing to re-sign with the Heat. I just think the problem there is... They have some bigger fish to fry, and that results in, like, him just kind of being backburned by Miami, even if they do want him. Um, I just don't know if, based on especially now that, um, I'd say Hayward's probably a 75-25 shot to leave Utah, I think Griffin's a 90-10 shot to leave the Clippers. Um, with those two in play, especially now, given how much Griffin's in play, I doubt Miami's going to try to sign him before uh, free agency starts um, on the 1st. So I don't necessarily think Waiters is going to sit around and be any team's you know, backup option, like I mentioned in the piece, especially, again, now that, that the situation's already changed. Um, he definitely looks like a guy who... You know, we'll take the highest offer even if it's not a fit, and I think there's a couple teams, Nets included, um, who will just throw some money around this offseason. Um, the Lakers might not be that team. The Clippers might be desperate enough to be that team later on. Um, you know, teams like Minnesota need shooters. Um, I'd say Chicago needs shooters, but they also don't want a shooter who's going to play them at the lottery or play them into the back part of the lottery. Um, the Knicks, you really don't know the direction now that Phil Jackson's gone, thank God. Um, but I, I would bet that they're a team that at least, you know, depending on whether Melo's there or not, tries to flirt with um, 30 wins or 35 wins. I mean, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, um, but they would have, if they get rid of Mello enough money to, to play around and find a playoff berth. Um, again, depending on who uh, shows up, I think – Phil leaving makes them a little bit less less toxic, uh, but again, I, who really knows? Uh, with this, with, with with a lot of these teams, I think there's there's ample money to be made for him. It's just a question of you know who's going to spend it. And there's a there is a decent list of teams who have um, you know enough to burn. I think he's probably looking at a contract in the twelve to fifteen million range. Um, despite not really earning it to the extent that J.J. Reddick has still. Um, again, there, there there are surprisingly a lot of like defensively-minded teams that just really need a shooter, um, and I mentioned some of them in there, and I could probably even rattle off a few more after. Um, but I, I think he's going to—he might be overshadowed a bit by some of the other guys out there um, and some of the uh, you know flashier names and all that, but uh, with a pretty shallow shooting guard uh, market, he does kind of— quickly rise to the top and, again, rise to the top of the list of guys who uh, might be a little overpaid. But, you know, based on what he did with Miami, maybe rightfully so.
2: Yeah, I think the, the market, like you said, is a, a huge advantage for him because, like, Reddit might be the, the most coveted guy uh, in that group, unless I'm, I'm just not thinking of someone. Obviously, if Dwayne Wade gets caught, maybe he jumps in there. But who knows what Wade is at this point. Um Waiters, obviously, isn't the pure shooter that Reddick is. I don't think he fits in as many teams. I think Reddick, you can kind of plug in anywhere, and he'd be a pretty big asset. Oh, yeah. But um, Deion's more, a better athlete. He's a, a good amount younger. Um, he can probably ball I mean, can handle the ball probably a little bit more. Um, he has a, a, a flesh for the dramatic, which I'm not sure that every team would appreciate, but uh, I certainly would. So, yeah, I mean... Brooklyn definitely looks like a possibility if Dion doesn't mind uh, not winning any games, um, because, like you said, they, I mean they, they will probably they have the room to offer anyone. Like they might go offer Paul Millsap because they also don't have a real incentive to lose. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they just go try to to ragtag a, a, an eighth seed somehow. I don't know that it's possible with the, what they have currently, but it wouldn't shock me if they just threw some money around on some contracts that end up running the course before they start to get their draft picks back because and and see if they can't screw the self it's out of uh, another number one pick or something like that so um if that ends up being the objective and it's not you know something that's going to uh hurt the future um which is is been kicked down the road already so much i would thoroughly enjoy seeing dion coming out to uh, brooklyn and putting up 18 shots a night at the Barclays center
1: agreed agreed uh, i would be fine with that even if i'm not watching in person like you would be um I guess, moving on from Dion a little bit because there are a few. We're just gonna I, I just decided on the fly, we're gonna turn this into a a Syracuse free agency uh, preview, which uh, again, I, I know that this will this will definitely attract many of the the dual Syracuse and, uh, dual NBA and uh, Mountain West, which is going to be the second half of this uh, podcast, uh, fans. Uh, I, I can hear the, uh, the the vanishing listeners as we speak. This is fine. I didn't tell you not to like the NBA. You made that decision on your own. Um, I, again, Dan and I will say for the last time, really rec- recommend watching the NBA. There's plenty to tune into. I mean, maybe last year kind of flies in the face of that, but um, this off is going to be a little bit of a counterbalance to what last season's disasters were. Um, I'm, I'm sure you know. You know, the commissioner isn't isn't sitting there and telling everyone uh to fix it but at the same time i'm sure silver's gotten on the phone with everyone and said hey you have some money i would highly recommend getting some players and uh and competing it's not that i don't want golden state to win um it's not that i don't want cleveland to keep winning it's that i do want the games to be more competitive and it, not to go off on this tangent but i said in the comments too you know everyone forgets how close san antonio could have potentially been um, with golden state uh, tony parker was injured in the second round um, Kawhi Leonard uh, was injured and you know with him in the game I think you saw in game one uh, the Spurs really went off to a uh, a really nice start and then that, uh, that kind of tanked after he was injured and again um, Parker was injured didn't really leave a very healthy squad um, to go up against a very healthy and a very dynamic uh, Golden State team so uh, j- j- just some some food for thought that that San Antonio might not be as far away as people think um Cleveland as as currently uh constituted probably is as far away as people think um and there but there are other teams uh probably the Celtics included who who could put themselves in 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 a conversation to compete with the Warriors so while last season looked like it was just kind of their coronation um this this is far from a done deal um and and, and I would like to see you know, everyone kind of kind of give the Warriors some hell this offseason.
2: Yeah, again, I'm I'm not very confident that teams can do it, but I, I really don't want to see everyone just laying down for them for the next couple of years. Obviously, Cleveland won't this year. They seem very desperate to know trying to get a Paul George or someone, and I, I don't even know if that would put them over the top. But at least, like, give it a shot um, because, you, again, you also never know what's going to happen. I mean, the Warriors – Uh, could be looking at a three-peat if not for the injury to Steph uh, Steph Curry um, two years ago, and and if they win that title, they probably don't end up getting Kevin Durant. Things are all different, so um, I don't know why you wouldn't want to put yourself in the best possible situation to uh, capitalize on something like that because, obviously, injuries are not that crazy in the NBA. We've seen uh, both Curry and Kevin Durant have season-ending injuries during their careers, and I don't know that one of them going down uh, would even knock them off the throne, but... Um, without one of those two, uh, I mean, they're probably still the favorite just because they're so good overall, but they become a much more mortal team, and uh, then everything opens up. So hopefully the teams that are like anywhere close are are not shipping off. And I go where the Flippers are doing it because they've been kind of floating uh, in this weird uh, stasis with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin for so long now, but uh, hopefully the Rockets, I mean, it seems like they're poised to make a run on someone else here, too. Um, they seem to be going for it. Cleveland will obviously keep on going for it. and Hopefully we've got a decent group of contenders. The Spurs, like you mentioned, uh, with uh, twelve hundred not going down at halftime of uh, DM1 being up, up 20. Um, I'm excited to see where everyone else does. Just, even if you don't watch the NBA, like try to invest yourself in this offseason because it's just been crazy, and, and the drama of just uh, the moves that teams are making is, has been so much fun. Um, I'm... I don't remember the last time I was... I mean, I watched the NBA, and I don't remember the last time I was this into it. Uh, And that's coming from a fan of a team that literally could not be more relevant.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, So yeah, I did want to get to a few more players before halftime. I think then we can shift gears over to Mountain West. Uh, Maybe we carry this over a little bit. Um, There are other players out there from Syracuse who will be looking for contracts this offseason. I know Jeremy Grant has already re-signed... um, with Oklahoma City uh, on a very very affordable deal, I'm actually surprised. Was that a team option, Dan? I think it was.
2: I think I think they did have a team option. Um, I'll look it up here while we're while we're doing.
1: Yeah, I think it was uh, a team. I would assume so at 1.5 million. That um, he would definitely be able to fetch more than that on the open market. So, yeah. yeah, that's. Uh, it's a steal, really, a, for Oklahoma City, a team that, that will have a little bit of room to uh, to find another piece or two to, to complement Russell Westbrook.
2: And they really like him, too. Um, he, I mean, I've, I've just noticed, like, the fans out there, he seems to be one of the, the favorites uh, among that group. So, um, well, obviously, awesome he
1: would uh, He's just an energy guy. We noticed that about him. We really liked him when he was in Syracuse. He just seems like... Philly didn't necessarily have the same love for him, but yeah, he, he's an energy guy and a guy who's, who's a, probably a solid sixth or seventh man. Um, and you know, every 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 title contention team and every playoff team needs a guy like that. Um, and I think Grant's really filled a role there, and could potentially stick around past this coming year, depending on what he does.
2: He also dunked on Kevin Durant in, like, I think his first game with the Thunder, so that didn't uh, hurt his, <laughs> his his argument. So cool, um, right? No, seriously, like, they really... I'm reading the uh, Welcome to Loud City post, and that's, like, the fourth paragraph. Um, also, he shot, like, 37% from three, which uh, I think he was in, like, the 20s with the sitchers and he, you know, I don't know if that's going to be a consistent thing, but if he's shooting, if, considering he uh, is uh, super athletic, he's a, a really solid shot blocker from the four, um, if he can shoot consistently, like, 33%, 34% from three, like, he is a super useful player, and at one and a half million, he is a total steal, so... Um, hopefully he, uh, puts himself in a position to get a nice, a nice, what, fourth or fifth year contract, uh, next year after this one-year option, uh, expires.
1: Yeah, I think after this he'll be restricted, I believe.
2: I am not totally sure.
1: I would assume he would be, right? Just because he's only been in the league for four years?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna see what his contract, uh. I'm not sure to see if they have the team option this year. Hmm. I know there's a website that has all this contract stuff. So I'm going to look it up.
1: I usually look at Hoops Hype.
2: I think that's the one I was thinking of.
1: Hoops Hype and Sports Track are my uh, typical resources.
2: Yeah, he would be. No, he'd be uh, unrestricted next year.
1: He'd be unrestricted because of the team option.
2: And it's his fifth year, so. Oh. Well, there you go. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I, I think uh, I don't think grant's the type of guy who thinks that he's a he's a number one or a number two option. I think he sees himself for what he is and he's an athletic guy who can be part a main part of a rotation. Um, Oklahoma City doesn't give him the best chance to win it all necessarily, but um, gives him a reasonably better chance to win it all than a lot of other teams could present him with. so yeah, I, I think you know, grant signs in Oklahoma City already, so. Uh, he won't be on the move. Two other names to watch, I think, are uh, are two of the guards uh, that SU has in the league. I think uh, Tyler Ennis, who uh, who put in some really nice work with the Lakers to close out last year, um, and the Michael Carter-Williams, who uh, since his uh, Rookie of the Year campaign has really kind of floated around the league and hasn't been able to find a landing spot. I'm not sure if he's ever going to catch on beyond, you know, more than a, than a end-of-the-rotation guy at this point just because – You know, he's not a shooter. His defense is not necessarily excellent. Uh, He's a decent passer. um, But I think that there's just a glut of point guards in this league at this point, which doesn't really help him a ton. It actually hurts a lot of the point guards in the market this year. So uh, with that in mind, I think... I don't really know where MCW ends up, and I don't think there's much of a market for him until later on in the free agency process. He might not sign until... Closer to the, well, assuming he's, and even look at his contract information. Really, actually, no, I did. He is a free agent, um, and he is uh, completely unrestricted. The whole deal. Um,
2: yeah, the Bulls had an option and did not pick him up. Yeah,
1: they declined that. So I think MCW is the type of guy who signs later on. I could even see him on a team like the the Knicks or Nets if they're just looking to add um, guards. And I think both teams could potentially add some guards later on. Um, Ennis. I... Ah, I don't know if the, the strong showing at the end of the year with the Lakers helps or hurts him. I think the fact that he was playing bigger minutes and actually showing up um, should probably be a boost. I think there's a lot of people who were wondering whether or not um, you know Ennis was even an NBA player anymore. I think th- there's no doubt that that Carter Williams is an NBA player. I think, again, it just depends on you know who's in the market for a guard. But uh, with, with Ennis, I think there was a real doubt about his... Uh, you know, bona fides at the pro level. I think, I think he solidified. Um, you know, anyone's sort of thoughts about him at the NBA level. But again, it really depends on on what else happens. And I think he ends up somewhere. But I, I it's futile to guess where at this point, um, given the fact that so many other guards are going to have to sort themselves out. And so many other teams are going to have to sort out their own roster situations um, and and salary cap situations uh, before they even think about, you know, uh, tossing a flyer over to Ennis.
2: Yeah, neither one's in a great spot. MCW obviously not having your uh, very affordable option picked up by your team uh, is not a great sign. Although the Bulls were about the worst possible team for him to be on last year because it was just all guards, just like him who couldn't shoot, who were like athletic and, and bigger guards, but not um, just no one to space the floor, uh, so I think it's, it's good that he won't be on the Bulls next year, um, I just don't know where he ends up, uh, that being said, he is, you know, he has flashed ability in the past, he's not super old, so I I would say it's probably like a a better than 50-50 shot that someone takes a flyer on him just to see if they can get some of the, the rookie year magic out of him again, um, as a backup, uh, but I, I, don't think you're looking at more than, like, a one-year deal for him wherever he ends up, um, and this is just, you know, he doesn't have the physical, uh, gifts that MCW does, he, he is heading into free agency, uh, with, uh, probably leaking a better taste in people's mouths than MCW because he did play pretty strong basketball down the stretch of the Lakers, obviously, that was also pretty meaningless basketball, um, I, it wouldn't shock me to see a team that is looking for just, like, a minimum player, um, backup point guard, like 12th man, to, to take a shot on him. But I don't think either one is going to be a huge factor uh, next year. Hopefully, uh, especially for Ennis, who has had kind of limited opportunities uh, in his career, hopefully uh, he gets a, a chance to at least show something uh, next season. MCW, I think, is, is seen as more of a, a known quantity um But I think it's pretty up in the air for both of them overall.
1: Agreed. And I think, you know, we have a couple minutes before halftime. I would like to note that we're not forgetting about Carmelo Anthony. I just think it's not – I think you could dedicate an entire episode to that if you really wanted to, and we might have to at some point, um, depending on what happens there. Um, Ultimately, I don't necessarily think he's with the Knicks next year. I just don't know where he goes, and I think uh, despite the fact that, A, he's not a free agent right now, uh, and B – I don't really know what the Knicks are going to do. Again, post Phil Jackson, um, I think if he moves this offseason, it's going to have to be uh, not late, late in the cycle, but I think you're going to have to wait for a few players to um, move elsewhere. I think a guy like Chris Paul is an initial um, kind of domino to fall. I think that, you know, Jimmy Butler leaving Chicago for t- the Timberwolves is another. Um, Move that needed to happen before you could really figure out what Melo is going to do and where he's going to do it. Um, He said he won't play for the Clippers, so they're kind of— I'm sorry, LeBron said that. I don't really know what Melo does. Um, I don't think he goes to the Clippers now, especially with that no trade clause, um, without both Blake, likely, um, and Chris Paul already. Um, Yeah, I I, I think he's gone. I just don't—again, I don't know where, and I think it's going to take— it's going to take some more time. It's going to take a lot more shuffling. So I think if you you see Melo move, it might be, uh, you know, later next week um, at earliest. So, you know, for, for all we know, yeah, we, we could end up talking about Melo for half a podcast next week. So don't want to necessarily uh, rule that out. A couple other players uh, that people are probably wondering about. Uh, Rocky Christmas is with the Pacers for at least another year, if not two, um, depending on uh, if the option is picked up. Um, is Wes Johnson, sorry, this is great uh, podcasting. Uh, Wes Johnson is around um, at a very bloated, uh, what will be 6.1 in 28, 29, and that is fully guaranteed. Um, Keep doing them chats, Wes. Yeah, whatever, man, just go for it. Uh, he, <laughs> made, he made his name as a 3 and D guy and then kind of really faded last year, so I'm not sure what he does. Um, Malachi is in the fold. Uh, next year, as people know, because he is a first-round pick, um, he didn't really play much with the Kings, but uh, that could change given they had a lot of salary cap room and a lot of roster space to really figure out. Um, Benajay will be back with the Pistons. Um, and, yeah, that's pretty much everybody should be, anyway.
2: Yeah, I can't think of, I mean, unless Anuwaku gets another shot, I can't think of. And- Think he's done anyway. Yeah, I think he's just probably too old at this point. Um, What's
1: McCullough's situation?
2: Oh, uh, McCullough, he got what well, he's on the, he Wizards, the Wizards, right? He who knows? I mean, he he got hes just been fighting injuries the whole time. He was up and down with the Nets basically his whole tenure there um, after recovering from the ACL. Uh, it's tough with the Wizards. I mean, I think that's a situation where they do they could use front court players. I just it doesn't seem like he's really found his niche, so hopefully. He, does, uh, he
1: is on the team, and he is—he does have guaranteed salary next year of uh, almost one point five.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, but I,
1: but I think he's an easily movable piece. That if the Wizards are making a play for you know, whether it's Paul George on a rental or Mello or anyone like that, I think the Wizards don't really have the room to take on Mello with his current contract. But Paul George is a potential option. Um, yeah, I, I think Mel, I think McCullough is an easily movable piece and somebody who uh, we could see traded um, just by way of a really manageable salary.
2: Yeah. Uh, that is, I mean, this this offseason in the NBA with so many mid players looking to be potentially dealt, um, you're going to see a lot of that. I mean, we saw with with the, the Paul trade today, like, they, they ended up shipping out eight players just to make things work, um, which is hilarious. I think they were signing guys just to trade them, which was great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Matola can definitely fit that bill, uh, as could a number of others if, if they get I mean, West Johnson might end up being a salary a salary dump because, like you said, he has that kind of inflated figure. So if if uh, if, uh, if if he's still on the flippers, right? Um, yes. Yeah. So if the flippers end up wanting to dump him, uh, it wouldn't shock me to see uh, one of the teams like the Kings or the Nets that have a ton of salary uh, salary cap space available um, saying, you know, give us this other piece that we actually want, and we'll take on six million dollars of West Johnson who didn't really play last year. Uh, so. No, that's just, I mean, the NBA is, uh, I think, unlike any other sport, really, because you have to balance things so much like that, um, you see a lot of those, those type of, uh, those type of deals.
1: I would agree. Um, all right, uh, I think that's enough NBA talk for everybody, um, for now, at least. Well, again, we'll see you on Mellow next week, uh, but Dan, what have you been drinking?
2: Uh, I had a couple of new and newish things, uh, I spent uh, my weekend down on the Jersey Shore, had uh, a couple things down there, uh, Tartan Brewing, which is probably the best brewery in New Jersey, at least the most...
1: Yeah, I'd say one of the top few, at least.
2: Yeah, um, I had their, their Hangju, which I hadn't had before, uh, down on the shore, which is really nice, uh, also had uh, some Grim. I had uh, Heller High Watermelon by 21st Amendment down there, and um, and then yesterday I had uh, some wood Rim and then I also had uh, Equinox which is a Saison by Kent Falls up in Connecticut which is a brewery that I know people are way into I don't see them as much down here but I've always enjoyed when I've had them so haven't had a chance to get all the way up there in upstate Connecticut and check them out but they make some good stuff so not a ton of new stuff but definitely some that I enjoyed um, some really solid stuff this week
1: very nice. Um, let's see. For me... Waiting for Untap to finish pulling up. Actually, had a decent amount to drink last weekend. Let's see what we got. Sorry. This is... Uh, pulling up my phone because I uh, try to avoid using the computer to pull up things like this during the podcast. Um, if only because don't want it to crash any part of this podcast, but the phone's not really agreeing with me, so we'll pull it up there. This is what happens when you're dealing with a three-year-old almost iPhone at this point. Um, some things I've had in the last week. Um, Buddy sent me some uh, double dry hopped uh, Melter Street IPA from Trillium. Uh, that was really good. It uh, was down at Stone over the weekend, so I had a couple things there had a uh, Thorn Street Brewing. They do have some uh, do have some guest taps there. So I had some Thorn Street Brewing uh, Relay IPA that was pretty good. I uh, had some Stone Pilot Series uh, Hop Engineer um, IPA that was all right. I had their Ghost Hammer, which I think most have probably seen at this point. Um, over at uh, Pizza Port San Clemente, had some uh, Dank Bank IPA that was uh, really good. I uh, enjoyed that one quite a bit. Um, some uh, Smog City Little Bow pills, nothing new there. Um, stopped over at the brewery quick. Um, had a few things, uh, most notably the uh, Tangerento um, sour ale has a uh, tangerine, super good. Um, had the grade from the brewery and had Chinooks and crannies from uh, Smog City, which is always a winner. Also had oh and grape eight from Mox City, which I would always recommend. I mentioned a couple times. Comes out once a year. It's uh, an IPA with uh, muscat grapes. Uh, Very very drinkable. Very very enjoyable. Um, Then also had the uh, extra citra uh, pale ale from uh, Surly Brewing. Friend sent that from uh, over in Minnesota. So uh, yeah. That was uh, that was everything I drank in the last week or so.
2: Yes, with the uh, Fourth of July upon us it will be I'm sure a pretty long rest of that week. Uh,
1: yeah, I would say so. I'm headed up to uh, to Sonoma for a wedding over the weekend. So uh, I will be headed to Russian River for at least a few drinks.
2: Nice. I'll be a den down the Jersey shore, so hopefully I can find some more. Interesting stuff down there. Although, yeah, the such down there isn't isn't the best uh, even compared to New York City. So, uh, no matter what it is, I will be finding some things.
1: Sure, you will. I have uh, I have all of the fates there.
2: <laughs> it's Never too much of an issue.
1: <laughs> Indeed. Um, okay. So, with the time we have left, uh, probably at least another ten to fifteen minutes. Um, figure we chat a little bit about the Mountain West since this is a uh, technically the uh, Mountain West football um, preview episode Um, as I mentioned before I have uh, some involvement with the Mountain West Uh, all my in-laws went to uh, San Diego State so definitely follow at least the Aztecs along with a couple other teams it's also a little bit easier out here um to keep track of the Mountain West uh, football conference. I've definitely done some writing here and there about the Mountain West, and we'll probably cover them here and there um, over on the comeback, since I do try to... I do cover the team, just the entire uh, country, as you do, but uh, over there I have a little bit more leeway and a little bit of ability to, uh, to chat about the, uh, the unheralded uh, group of five teams and uh, kind of carved out a niche over there last year. Uh, doing so and we will likely be doing so again Uh, so with that in mind um, Dan is there a team that interests you uh, right off the bat I know there's at least a couple big names Uh, maybe we start in the west if only because I think we're going to be able to get through um, the Mountain West's um, west division uh, pretty quickly
2: uh yeah I think the west over I mean I think this whole conference is really interesting honestly um The West, obviously, San Diego State's been the the bell cow there for a while. Um, Finally, given
1: the the recruiting advantages of San Diego.
2: Yeah, uh, namely being San Diego. Um, For those who have been there, uh, you will understand. Um, I think we talked about UNLV a decent amount. Uh, They are super interesting, um, both with how they've uh, addressed their coaching in recent years and and going after a, a... A somewhat lively local high school uh, recruiting ground, featuring mostly Bishop Gorman, which is a giant national high school power, uh, which draws players from all over. Um, You have uh, a couple. I mean, this whole pretty much this entire, aside from San Diego Diego State with Rocky Long, this entire division has overhauled uh, their coaching staffs in the last like three or so years. Um, This year, we have uh, San Jose State brings in uh, Brian Brennan, I believe, former. He's the former Oregon State receiver, coach, right?
1: That sounds right.
2: I'd like to not get his name wrong, but uh, I might have. So you'll just deal with that. Um, Hawaii obviously brought in Nick Rolovich last year, who did uh, a really incredible job, honestly, for one of the more uh, difficult. It's Brent Brennan. Um, (laughs) One of the more difficult uh, coaching situations in the country um, and got them to a bowl, if I remember correctly. Uh, Fresno State is dealing with the big name. Uh, they bring in Jeff Tedford, uh, if I remember correctly. I'm well, doing this all. Out well. Yeah, I don't know really what what you're doing there.
1: Um, I mean, gotta, that's a, gotta get the locals excited, I guess.
2: I guess, but like, is Jeff Tedford starting to be in it? Like, if you're uh, a Mountain West team, but you want to, I mean, I know Rocky Lawns worked out really well, but he also wasn't like the former Texas coach or something. He was uh, former uh, New Mexico. Or New Mexico, uh, which one? He was at New Mexico State or New Mexico? I can't remember. Who? Um, Rocky Lawn before San Diego State. Uh,
1: I want to say New Mexico.
2: Yeah, so it wasn't like he was like some some big name, you know, Pac 12 coach before this. Uh, He was a guy who, you know, wanted to still make his mark. And then Nevada uh, hired uh, Jay Norvell, who was last seen being run out of town from other schools as an assistant coach. So I I don't really uh, love that hire. Um, but overall, I mean, the entire division uh, is pretty much overhauled after San Diego State in the last, I think, three seasons. Um, I think UNLV, we, we talk about just a decent amount because of uh, they're, they're in the biggest, uh, I guess, a, a burgeoning sports city with two pro teams going to Las Vegas all of a sudden, um, including the Raiders, which will make the football uh, atmosphere there pretty interesting. Well, it's one that's
1: going to help them out a ton, and I know we've talked about that too. But um, I like UNLV. Uh, we'll get to their logo in a second since they did change it. <laughs>
2: it's uh, it's it's not at all like Texas Tech's uh, Red Raider logo. Not not even close.
1: It's also a majestic mustache that that molds into. <laughs> yes, it is. To to, to alliterate the entire uh, <laughs> the entire thing, if we may, um, yeah. We've talked about UNLV a bunch before, they are interesting, they have a lot going for them, Uh, the Raiders showing up does help them, but at the same time, there's suddenly a lot more attention on other things uh, besides UNLV football and gambling that may or may not help them, we shall see. Um, I think, in general, UNLV was kind of a a program on the upswing, and I think they still are, however... um, The thing that helps them most is probably the fact that they are probably in the most advantageous situation outside of San Diego State Um, in terms of markets. It's a weird division. San Jose is in the largest market technically, but um, they also have to share the wider Bay Area uh, with obviously Stanford, who is well, well situated right now. Um, And Cal, who, while they might not always know where they are and what they're doing, Um, Cal is obviously in the P5, um, being the Pac-12. And then you look at the rest of the conference again, like San Jose State, largest market, but not the best situation. San Diego State, probably the best recruiting grounds, and they've proven that over and over again in recent years under Rocky Long. Um, Next market after that's UNLV. Um, And, again, they're well-situated, I think, going forward. And, uh, again, wacky logo and all. Um, And then everybody else, like... Fresno has the history um and can pretty much as long as they have a good coach in place um they can usually you know mine the leftovers in the bay area and all the talent in central california um to uh to make themselves usually a contender in that division. Hawaii has a problem bringing talent there, but at the same time they uh when when the coaching is 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 good and when they uh when they have something they can sell. Um, Southern California kids, they usually are right. Um, And then the rest, you know, it's it's Nevada. And I don't... Nevada is what it is. I think sometimes they can be good, sometimes they can't. They had a couple good seasons in there with Colin Kaepernick. um, But beyond that, I'm not really going to... I'm never going to bank on Nevada to be great, especially in this current divisional setup. I think in the WAC they looked pretty good, but in this divisional setup, I, I I'm not going to bank on Nevada to be any more than a than a bowl team every so often, and that's fine. You know what? Like if you're a Group of Five team that can make a bowl every other year or two out of every three, great, you are, you are doing better than most, which is fine.
2: I think that they just need to go hire Chris Alt again for the third time. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll really just get that, that run and shoot going, and uh, you'll be all set. It's worked every time he's touched there.
1: <laughs> this is true. He's had some pretty good players to do it with, but nonetheless, yes, he has done well. And uh, on that note, I will say that the West, uh, once again, runs through San Diego State. They, uh, they do test themselves a little bit. They do have to face Boise State, but they do get them at home. Um, they got Arizona State and Stanford um, in the non-conference along with Northern Illinois. I, uh, I think they can go 3-1 and one here. I, uh, I don't really believe in the Sun Devils, as we'll touch on in the Pac-12 preview later on this summer. But yeah, I, uh, I think San Diego's looking at, once again, like a 9-3, and 10-2 season. Um, and will be playing for the Mountain West Championship uh, once again. I think they're
2: the prohibitive favorite. It's it's just tough to rule them out. They're they're just a, a decent amount ahead. So while you have teams like UNLV and Hawaii who are on the rise, and who knows what the other three look like? I know Bill C has San Jose State at number three there. Um, I just think San Diego State's just in such a more established place that it's hard to uh, really root against them, or uh, not root, but uh, hard to do against them as coming out of the West. Um, they just they bring back a decent amount of talent. Uh, like you said, they have a fairly manageable conference schedule, um, they also and they just only have the better- leave
1: the state of California once um, from October 14th on, and they really don't leave the entire like Nevada California area because Nevada is next to California. For those who don't know your West Coast geography, um, they only leave the Nevada slash California area once um, after September 30th. Uh, so again very very advantageous schedule they go at UNLV which is a short drive shortish drive from uh, San Diego and uh, they'll head to Honolulu to face Hawaii Um, they also go up to San Jose which is not close by any means but again in state quick flight Um, so yeah that I think helps them out quite a bit um, that they really don't have to do much moving which again Great, I think that it does help uh, more than people think. In college, unless you're the 2012 Syracuse Orange who tied the record for most road wins in a season.
2: Yes, the the old barnstorming tour that we had in Dud last year. Was that the year that we ruined everyone's uh, homecoming as well, or was that 2010?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. I know that we went like five and one on the road or some nonsense in 2012. Which, uh, which is great. Yeah,
2: we were, we were better on the road both of those years, which is doesn't make any sense. But it is what it is. <laughs> Good times. Hope those times are coming back. Um, that was your Syracuse football mention of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that, was,
1: that, that was your one. We did talk about Syracuse basketball a bunch, technically.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, at least saying. Syracuse basketball type. I mean, it's the summer, so we do just talk about Syracuse former Syracuse players doing... Various pr- professional endeavors, uh, whether it's NBA or otherwise. Are there any Syracuse eyes in the three on three league? or I-, I didn't think there were.
1: I didn't even look. It <laughs> shows, so, shows how good of a site manager I am.
2: I, I'm pretty sure there is not, but I, I could be wrong. Oh, well. How is Ronnie cycling, not running pick and rolls with someone? Come on.
1: <laughs> if there is someone, I'm sure we'll write an article about it, or at least I will. Um, Anyway, to close us out for the last few minutes, uh, the Mountain Division, which I've mentioned on this podcast before, and Dan, I'm sure you'd agree, is one of the most interesting uh, divisions, not just in the Mountain West, obviously, and not just in the group of five, but I would argue is one of the more interesting divisions in all of college football by way of having, suddenly, six uh, capable programs. Um... Having, you know, perennial power in Boise State, not just on the Group of Five level, but nationally.
0: Um, having so
2: many player, quarterbacks.
1: So many quarterbacks. So much offense. Um, so much fun for them. I know that uh, Wyoming played for the title last year. Um, Boise State missed out on playing for the title despite being arguably the best team in the conference um, by way of a loss to Wyoming, which sucks for you guys. Broncos, you want to play for the conference title, get your shit done, um, and beat the Cowboys. Um, and then New Mexico, surprisingly. Uh, there was a three-way tie for the uh, divisional lead last year. Three teams went 6-2. and two. Boise State, Wyoming, and the New Mexico Lobos. Who are uh, surprisingly fun. Bob Davey.
2: Yes, a Bob Davey team. fun at Bob
1: Davey, renaissance man. <laughs> Somehow. The uh, Lobos, for those who did not pay attention last year, went 9-4. and four.
2: I've always said if you can't succeed at Notre Dame, you should go take over a job in New Mexico. It'll probably work out.
1: New Mexico should have been better for, for much of the last 15-20 to 20 years, however, um, they are suddenly on the up, uh, sure, New Mexico is going to be fun again, Wyoming is going to be a boatload of fun this year, and they just, I don't think they're good enough to contend for a playoff spot slash access ball, but I do think that they're going to compete, I do think they're going to win 8 games. I do think that they are going to be a lot of fun to watch. And even if they don't win the division, I think that might be Boise State's division to lose. I still think you should watch them if you can, if you can find them. They'll be on CBS Sports a lot, which sucks for a lot of people, but maybe not for a lot of others. I have that channel, therefore, I will be watching them. Um, Again, maybe they're on Twitter. Who knows at this point? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, I think I think a good sign of a, a good division is when your worst team might be Air Force, and Air Force is always like pretty fun and interesting.
1: I think Utah State's the worst team in this division, but again, it's possible. That, that's Utah State's probably sign. the least interesting, and that's still a great sign. That yeah, that the, that you can just throw away the Aggies, a, a, a team that that very recently played for this conference's title. Um, again, It's not bad. Colorado State. Hello has been very, very uh, on people's radars. Bill Connolly thinks they are, if not this year, next year, um, going to be a monster, and that's cool.
2: I I look forward to all of the uh, Georgia fans ensuring all of us that Mike Bobo is not, in fact, uh, good if Colorado State does end up winning like 11 games.
1: Mike Bobo might be the coach of Georgia soon enough.
2: Oh, God, that'd be really funny. If that happens, and it, it's like, if, if they fire Kirby Smart and we had hire Mike Bobo, <laughs> I, I am rooting for that openly now. That'd be so good. I mean... Just because, like, be so many years of run-the-dang-ball Bobo coming back into our lives.
1: I mean, realistically, I know a lot of the big jobs have opened up. Well, have, have opened up and closed and uh, turned over of late. Mike Bobo is, is like a, a 9-3, and 10-2 season where they, they make and or win the Mountain West Conference uh, championship game away from probably coaching Georgia, Vanderbilt, Mississippi, potentially.
2: Oh, he'll looks, for sure. I mean, he has a pedigree. He, uh, he, you know, did coach a pretty good Georgia offense for a long time, and they went in the tank as soon as he left. Um... Now, I, I don't know that he's, like, the greatest coach of all time, but, like, there's a reason why he, he got the call up when, when McIlwain left Colorado State for Florida. It wasn't like he he didn't have a pedigree. It's just funny that if you ask Georgia fans uh, of a certain age for a long time, Mike Bobo just did not know what he was doing. And I don't think that was entirely accurate. <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe it's the Georgia didn't know what they were doing and Mike Bobo just happened to be along for the ride. <laughs> This has turned into the Georgia slander podcast. Um, there are a few of them. Uh, Shutdown Fullcast obviously being the Georgia slander uh, podcast of note. I'm sure a Georgia Tech podcast out there somewhere would be number two, and then a Georgia Bulldogs podcast would be number three. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think I think that I think that you're underselling the possibility of the Georgia podcast being number one. I think it depends on the week. Um, That's fair. <laughs> like after the Tennessee game last year, I think, uh, I don't know. I think that Georgia, uh, Georgia fans are interesting. Um, overall, I, I think that they have a very interesting, uh, malleable set of expectations that, you know, they trend towards high, but they just, just haven't ever come like quite close enough. Aside from the one year where they lost Alabama in the SEC championship on the, on that awful, uh, last second play. Yeah. um, they're just like just they like life keeps them at arm's length generally, so it's it's not like they've flirted with disaster like some other uh, some other programs they're just like always uh, just a couple steps away uh, from contending for like actual national titles and I don't know, it, it seems like they're just a funny bunch uh, because of how everything's worked out for them.:
1: Your mountain West, Georgia preview
2: <laughs> 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 It's the Stone Mountain West.
1: There it is. Uh, (laughs) All right. Uh, Not to belabor this too much, um, there are as many as five teams you could pick to win this division, I think. I'm going to go with Boise State, but I could also see every single team in this division winning four games. Um, So, yeah. I'm going to go with Boise State, and I think Boise State wins the Mountain West. um, And... I don't think that they make an access bowl. We will get to the team that I think will make an access bowl. Um, and for those who, who aren't familiar with the access bowl terminology, New Year's Six Bowl, if that makes you feel better. Um, we will get to that team next week. So if that gives at least a couple hints, I would think. But I will pick Boise State to win the mat list.
2: Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. Um, I think it'll be Boise over San Diego State. Uh, I think Boise will be good enough, uh, to compete for the Access Bowl, but I kind of see the Mountain West beating itself up again. I I don't think Boise State's so much better that they will run away with it and go undefeated or or go with one loss. Um, I think they'll probably end up winning with, like, nine or ten wins, uh, which is kind of what's been happening in this league recently. Um, but it'll still be a really fun race. Uh, Brett Rippin's a blast, um... One of the better quarterbacks. I mean, maybe the best quarterback in this league. Although Josh Allen is the guy that's getting a lot of hype uh, with regard to the NFL draft as a potential first rounder. I think um, Josh
1: Allen's the best quarterback in the league, but I think he ha- doesn't have the talent around him that Rippian does, and that kind of tilts the scales toward Rippian.
2: Yeah, Rippin's probably the best. He might be the best like college quarterback. Um, you know, maybe not. Doesn't have the biggest arm, but is just surround has the, s- the surrounding talent necessary to succeed and. Obviously, he's been there for a bit, and he's uh, still talented in his own right. Um, and I think Boise's just due for a bounce back. Like uh, they, they, you know, have had some of the mountain West, rest of the Mountain West uh, catch up to them a little bit in the last couple of years. So I, I kind of agree. I think they're going to win this this league, but I don't think it'll be a, a runaway. And uh, I agree. I think my Access Bowl team will also come out of the AAC. Um, you can all probably figure out at least. Uh, pretty good contender for that'll be
1: um i think we're, I gonna, think I think a... we're gonna have different teams here but i, I oh we do I, I think i think we're gonna have to wait till next week but yeah I, I do think we'll have different teams and i think that that's all the intrigue and uh and spoiler we'll, we'll throw out there right now are we not
2: are we not both picking two lane
1: uh well i mean besides <laughs> that they, they win the access bowl of
2: our hearts um
1: <laughs> our festival champions of life <laughs>
2: Oh, I look forward to Butch Jones coaching Tulane in like fifteen years. Um and, and getting fired eventually. Um by us,
1: who will who will run the athletic conference? Yes,
2: whatever. our athletic director co athletic directors. Uh, we will also make him coach uh, at least three games in the uh of the wave suit. So <laughs> so uh, anyway. I'm still upset that the the uh, Charleston people never tweeted us back from when I was down there and saw their giant banner in the airport. So annoying.
1: One day we'll uh, we'll have to make the trip. And, uh, we'll hard, we'll get there. Hard sell them in person.
2: <laughs> I'm here. I'm in, I'm here for this.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, Dan, it was a pleasure as always. Much uh, much appreciate you uh, coming on. Uh,
2: anytime. Uh, look. You know, hopefully everyone has a good 4th of July weekend slash uh, early part of the week and uh, celebrates accordingly and uh, is back here next week for our riveting AAC preview where we reveal our hugely important choices.
1: Indeed. I'm not sure when that is taking place yet. We will get back to everyone eventually. It's not like we tease this out or anything. It just appears. Um, So, yeah, look forward to it at some point next week, everyone sounds good so yeah that was Dan I'm John thank you everybody for listening to Try News and Absolute Podcast be sure to rate review subscribe on iTunes on Blog Talk on any other service you may listen to us on and uh theoretically go Orange
2: go America
0: at Jared we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion